chapter 37, time out. Luke 23, 28. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. When darkness began to reign on our Lord's last night and the whole world seemed to fall apart, Jesus made a statement in Matthew 26 we need to hold on to. Judas had just identified Jesus with a kiss. A soldier stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him, and Peter drew his sword, striking the servant of the high priest and cutting off his ear. Jesus told Peter to put his sword away and then said, Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? You know, 12 legions of angels was enough to wipe out any army and basically the whole population of the entire planet. Jesus was letting Peter know that at any moment he could have put an end to this. It was just one more way that Jesus was demonstrating his total control. The tide of events wasn't turning against Jesus. Rather, he was directing their awful course and could have stopped the rushing waters at any point. When Jesus was betrayed by Judas, he let it happen. When he was arrested without cause, he went quietly. When he was illegally tried in the middle of the night on false testimony, he stayed silent. When the first fist struck his face, Jesus turned and offered the other. While they beat him like a dog, he didn't call a single angel to his defense. When they laughed, slandered, and humiliated our Lord, he didn't retaliate. When Pontius Pilate ordered Jesus to be tortured to within an inch of his life, he willingly offered his back. When they disfigured and ruined him, spilling his blood, reducing his muscles to ribbons and exposing his internal organs, he didn't force them to stop or even to relent. When Pilate caved into the pressure of the people and came back on his word, ordering Jesus' execution, our Lord didn't protest. When they dressed Jesus up like a sideshow king and made him carry his own cross through the streets of the city, he simply went along with it. He didn't stop them. And at any moment, he could have called those 12 legions of angels and they would have torn back the sky and settled the score in the fury of God's anger. But he never called them. Instead, our broken and dying Lord walked down the city streets toward his own demise like a rag doll, limp with exhaustion, racked with pain, and as silent as a sheep going to the slaughter. Jesus staggered and fell, too mangled and weak to carry the cross, so the soldiers grabbed a man named Simon who was visiting Jerusalem from his home in Africa. To these soldiers, he was just a random guy from the crowded streets who happened to be standing there. So they ordered him to carry our Lord's cross behind Jesus as he walked. And then something happened that made Jesus stop. Finally, after all he had been through, someone went too far. Something happened that Jesus would not abide, and he stopped walking and started issuing commands. In chapter 23, 
Luke said that as Jesus walked toward his execution, a large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. That was the moment. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. Wow. Jesus didn't stop his betrayal. He didn't stand in the way of his arrest or his unjust trial. He didn't try to avoid his beatings, his torture, or his humiliation. He didn't fight against his sentencing at all. But when some people felt sorry for him, he called a timeout. That was the moment that went too far. Some women cared about him, and they cried for him. And that made him stop everything and say, don't do that. Whatever else you do, don't feel sorry for me. This is a tricky passage of scripture because so many people look at the cross and they wonder how they're supposed to feel about it. People who love Jesus, they look at what he endured and how awful it was. So aren't they supposed to be really sad? I mean, doesn't love make you feel sorry for someone who has suffered so much? Of course it does. And it makes sense. But Jesus doesn't want pity. He absolutely doesn't want you or me to look at the events surrounding the cross and to feel sorry for him. If you're like me, you might be wondering why that is. What in the world Jesus was up to? Well, the fact is, our Lord had a secret weapon. He had a trick to play up his sleeve that was a sure thing. It looked as though Jesus was being defeated, but the truth is, he was about to clinch his greatest victory. One of the recurring themes throughout the ministry of Jesus was this idea of the upside-down kingdom. Jesus was always saying things that seemed backwards. The last will be first, and the servant is the greatest of all. The thing is, Jesus didn't just teach those ideas, but he lived them out to the utmost. He was the almighty God, but he bent down like a slave and washed his students' feet. He was the king of kings who lived in abject homeless poverty. His whole life was one example after another of the seemingly inverted values of heaven and how foreign they are to us who live in this world. And on that day, his upside down kingdom was at its zenith. On the very moment when Jesus looked most defeated, he was routing his enemies. As he willingly and beautifully marched toward his own death, he was flanking his foes. He looked beaten, helpless, and defeated. But he had Satan surrounded and was about to lay siege to all the old snake held most dear. Jesus appeared broken, but he was plundering the devil's house. By his blood and death, Jesus defeated the power of sin and forever freed all of us from its clutches. Don't feel sorry for Jesus, because this was his moment of victorious triumph. In Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says it like this. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. 
and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. For more, get to a quiet place. Read Luke 23, 26 through 31 and Colossians 2, 13 through 15. What does it mean to you that God brings victories out of situations that look like bitter defeats? What do you think Jesus wants you to feel if he doesn't want you to feel sorry for him? He went to the utmost lengths to have you back. How does that move your heart? Tell him.